The Apostle Paul gives clear instruction to the believers in Ephesus that is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Well, what is the Lord's will? For a few weeks, we will focus on God's will concerning the family. Notice that in this passage, he devotes four verses to children, four verses to wives, and ten verses to men. Men are given the greatest responsibility and the most instruction. Being a good husband does not come easy to men. Our sinful, selfish nature needs training and instruction. We are called to imitate Christ in all things. This is what it means to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. With this in mind, Paul tells us, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It is always easy to respect anyone who is utterly unselfish and totally devoted to serving others. Well, good morning, everybody. So my name is Dennis Weeb, and I'm an elder here at the church, if you don't know who I am. Um, I am a husband, so I feel I'm somewhat qualified to speak about this. We are kicking off a new series on... God's will for your family. And this is not um, the culture's perspective. We, we're going to look truly at what God's perspective is on this. So I've been married for 27 years. I just clicked 27 last month. Uh, Sally and I have, uh, you know, we've certainly had our ups and downs along the way. It's, uh, I'm not naive to think I've, I've lived the perfect marriage. It doesn't exist. And uh, I, I feel like I'm speaking to you from somebody who's been through some rough patches and had some some good times in marriage. So there's definitely things that I was learning as I was preparing for this sermon, things that I was looking at and going, wow, I really suck at that. And then other things that I'm going, hey, yeah, I'm doing all right there. So don't tune out if you're not a husband today. This is what we're going to be talking about. But uh, if you are going to be a husband at some point, you might want to really pay attention because this is what God's expectations are on you. Uh, if you are a woman and going to be having a husband at some point, you might want to listen up and say, okay, this is what God's expectations for the guy that I'm going to be married. If you are a woman and already married, uh, please don't go home and beat your husband up. You know, just uh, be, be patient with us. We, we definitely need that. So, um, when I, when I started to prepare, I came across this, uh, this quote. Um, it's uh, General Montgomery, a British general in the Second World War. 
And he said, gentlemen, don't even consider marriage until you've mastered the art of war. Pretty interesting, and I think that's why he was divorced. Because you, you just, you can't approach marriage from a perspective of, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for battle here. Because th- this is not, this is not what we're about. And this is certainly not God's perspective on what marriage is to be. So we, when, we, when we look at what God actually established as marriage, it's, it's very, very different from what our culture thinks it is today. So let's, let's just take a quick tour through what God established as marriage. So everybody knows Adam didn't really have a selection, right? There was one woman, and that was his wife. So he didn't have a choice. He wakes up one day, and he's married. And then God establishes from there what a marriage is to look like. So we can see the purpose of marriage. There's four components. So in Genesis, he establishes children. Be fruitful and multiply. This is one of the key components of marriage. Then we're also supposed to establish friendship, companionship. You know, because in Genesis it says you're not supposed to be alone. It also talks about in 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking about it's, it's to prevent immorality, keeping us on track instead of just going out and doing whatever we want. And then again, back into Genesis, it's for intimacy and affection. This is, this is what marriage is for. Now, as soon as God establishes that, we see an immediate attack on marriage. And you can see it all through the beginning in Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 4, we come across polygamy. In Genesis chapter 9, we come across, uh, come across uh, se- evil sexual thoughts. In, in Genesis chapter 16, we come across adultery. Chapter 19, homosexuality. Chapter 34, fornication or sex before marriage. Chapter 34 again, being unequally yoked, married to someone who is not of the same belief system as you. Chapter 38, incest. Chapter 38 again, prostitution. And then chapter 39, evil seduction. Satan didn't waste any time getting right on, let's tear down this institution that God has made. And, and this, is, this is a battle that has raged since the beginning of time. And it, and it continues today. There really is nothing new under the sun. We have continued to struggle with this. And today, I would say, we don't even really have any good foundation of what it is, what, what a strong, godly marriage even looks like. There's very little modeling of what a good marriage is. Often we look at family members and, and people that we know and we see the struggles that they're going through or marriage split-ups and separations. It's so common. I would like to say that it's better within the church, but the reality is it's not. Divorce happens at the exact same pace in the church as it does outside the church. So are we not paying attention to what God has established as, as true godly marriage. So we see divorce. We've seen the sexual revolution. We've seen the homosexual revolution. We've seen the women's liberation movement. And more recently, we've seen Black Lives Matter with all of them having a foundation of tearing down the family and breaking 
what God has created and said, this is what I believe the family is. God established it, and the world is constantly pounding away at it to tear it down and break it. And you guys, I don't think you have to look very far, family, friends, to see the carnage that is left behind when a marriage gets broken down. So let's take a look at the scripture here. So we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5, verses, verse 21. And it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now th- this kind of flies in the face of what most people focus on. There is scripture that says the wife is supposed to submit to the husband, but I don't see any reference to wife or husband of this is, this is applying to both. Because Jesus actually even said, if you're going to be the chief among you, you must be a servant. So men, husbands, you must submit to your wife in the form of being a servant. We, we have to understand that we cannot accomplish this on our own. We need to tap into the Holy Spirit and understand that the Holy Spirit is there to guide us every day and to give us the direction that we need to try to live a godly life and in our marriage especially. We, we, we understand that, that serving is truly a Christian principle. It is what we are to do. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And we are to follow his example. And it's no different in our marriages. We need to be willing to serve Willing to sacrifice, because we, we, serve, we serve Jesus who laid down everything for us. We need to be willing to follow that example. And, and I, I think we, we kind of lose, lose sight of, of that because it's hard. It's difficult. It's easy to focus on other stuff as opposed to, I need to be willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of my family. It's not an easy thing to learn. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. This is what I'm saying. God's making an analogy here of Jesus being the leader of the church and laying down his life. He suffered unbelievably, unduly, for our own sins. We were completely dead in our sin, and yet God, in his love and mercy, sends his son to take the punishment for us, to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we can say we have eternal life. This is the gospel, but this is the same mechanism that flows into your marriage. Are you willing to take Jesus' example, and apply it to your marriage? Are you willing to sacrifice for your wife? One of the problems that we face on an ongoing basis is the definition of the word love. We hear it all the time, oh, I fell out of love, oh, I'm in love. 
and we treat it like it's just an emotion. I'm having a good day or I'm having a bad day. Oh, I'm in love, I'm out of love. It's, it's not an emotion. If it's just an emotion, we're all doomed to fail. It's, it's, as a matter of fact, it's so much deeper than that. It is truly the definition that we need to provide when it is an action of service and, and living our life in a manner that is honoring, honoring to God, honoring to Jesus and the example that he set. And, and this is what Pastor Ellen was preaching about uh, probably about a month ago. He said, you know, live our lives in a manner that's honoring to the gospel. This is the manner in which we should be living our lives, not taking the world's standards, because we, we just cannot live with a frivolous definition of love. Love is so much deeper than that. It's a covenant. It's a commitment for life. This isn't something to just, ah, didn't work out today, so I'm done. I'm moving on. That, and that is, it, it is so frivolous today with so many people that I, I've known and, and they just throw away a marriage because it's too much work. And it is work. Every day waking up with a purpose of serving your family, serving your spouse so that you can have an effective and healthy marriage according to God's standard. See, love, love should be able to withstand everything, whether it's stress or distress, trials, tribulations, danger, war, famine, death, life, powers, principalities, or anything else that's created in this universe. It needs to be able to withstand that. And the only way that that's ever going to happen is if you are living a spirit-led life with a deep commitment to serve God with your life and to serve your family and to serve your wife. It's the only way that this can happen because this is the example that Jesus gave us. He laid down his life. Think about it. He was perfect and yet took all of our sin, all of our shame and took it on himself, and now we have that, that amazing gift of eternal life. Eternity in heaven. You know, Chris was talking about the two gentlemen that passed away this week. We're going to see them again because we have that hope. This is, this is what we need to be focused on, not just had a bad day and my wife said something I don't like or the neighbor said something. It's like we need to be focused on God and, and that commitment that he established of what marriage really is. Let's take a look at the next one. Ephesians chapter 5, 28 and 29. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Again, Christ laid down his life for the church. Are you willing to do that for your wife? If it came to that, would you really do that? Are you willing to go to that extreme? Because Jesus did. It's not a question of whether he did. He did. Are you? And I think this is a really hard question that we need to ask ourselves. And, and are we willing to grind it out every day, knowing that that's, what, that's the level of sacrifice that we should be willing to make as husbands? 
So let's take a look in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So first, let's, let's focus on this word understanding. Uh, I think there's been books, many books, written on how to understand your wife. And I think guys generally fail. I think it's, is that a fair statement? You know, we, we, we don't really stop and think about what does this really mean? Are we listening to our wives? And the number of times I've heard that, you're not listening to me. Any, does that resonate with any guys? You're not hearing me. You're not, you're not doing the things that, that I need you to do to make me feel good. Because we, we need to be thinking about physical needs, emotional needs, listening, respecting. These are the characteristics and things that we need to bring to the, the marriage relationship so that we can actually put our wife first. Because we, we need to make sure that if we are putting ourselves first, and this, is, this has been my common problem, this is the common problem for a lot of guys, and, and you, you, you put yourself first, and as a result, then all of these things fall by the wayside. And then your marriage struggles. And you go, well, what's going on? The problem is in the mirror. You're looking at yourself. And that's where it needs to start. If you can correct your actions, it's amazing how much easier it is than follow along. If you're willing to submit, I bet your wife's going to be more willing to submit to you. So I, I was even thinking down the lines of chivalry. Wow, is chivalry lost? I, I, I envision you know, the, the guy taking his coat and laying it down over a mud puddle so his wife can walk across the the mud puddle. More currently today, obviously, we don't ride horses and go on muddy roads all the time. But when's the last time you opened a door for your wife? Wouldn't she be shocked if you walked around her side of the car, opened the door, closed it, and then walked around to your side? She'd be shocked. She'd be like, who are you? And what have you done with my husband? It's little things. It can be just really little things to let them know that they are loved, respected, trusted, and are being submitted to. And then you can, you can then start to have an expectation of submission back, but you're not going to be wielding that with a big stick. But you have to lead by example. As I said, one of, one of the things I've really struggled with is putting myself first. And, and I think guys in general do that. Anybody identify with being a bit of a sports addict? Maybe a gamer? Maybe an outdoor enthusiast? You know, we, we all have something, whatever that something is. Well, for me, it was sports. I spent a lot of years, in my younger years, not, not today, but I played a lot of rugby. And I was pretty good. 
And I, I, so from about 16 years old till about 25-ish, I played rugby at a fairly high level. I, I went to actually two national championships. I know it doesn't look like it now, but I did. But that consumed immense amounts of time. But that was just part of a love of sports. So when I no longer played sports, I watched every game going on. Yeah, I was the guy who'd even watch TSN and go, oh, there's a dart match going on. I'll watch that too. You know, it's pathetic when you really think about it. I'm watching guys play darts, a barroom game. But I did. At what cost? And that's, that's what started to really th- hit me. So the year before I married Sally, as a single guy, I played 50 rounds of golf. Now, if we think about your golfing season is May to September, that's about 150 days. So that meant every, every third day, I was going to play a round of golf. Now, for those who don't know, a round of golf with travel time, depending on where you're playing and how many people are on the golf course, takes anywhere from about five to eight hours. Where's my family in that? Yeah, but I was having fun, you know, with the guys playing around a golf and completely ignoring my family. So then I, I kind of throttled that back. But then I thought, well, hey, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, fantasy sports leagues were becoming a thing. And, and I, I got involved in, in that. And I would research it. I would research. I was good at them. I would win. But I was super competitive. And I would... I would investigate, I would research, what's this player doing? What's that player doing? How's this team doing? Is the, you know, do they, they have a cough? Are they, are they going to be okay this week? And I would invest a ton of time into it. But again, at what cost? My family's patiently waiting there for me, and I'm non-existent because I was so enveloped in what it is. So whether it's a gamer that you're just spending hours online playing games, whether it's your social media that consumes all of your time and you go, well, I'm in the room, but you're not there. You're, you're, you're focused on whether, whatever your platform of choice is. You know, Facebook for old people, Instagram or whatever for younger people. But how much time does that consume that you need to be focused on your family? And it, 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 it creeps up on you. It's not like you wake up one day and go, oh, I'm just going to waste all my time on my hobby today. It's not how it happens. It just, it's a slow process, and it slowly just consumes your life. I know uh, in, in the youth group where I, I help quite a bit, I always challenge our, our guys. I go, well, okay, everybody, truth, truth moment. Pull out your cell phone, and, and let's see how much screen time you had this week, because it'll tell you. And I, I just had the message pop up on my phone this morning. So this past week, it told me my screen time was up 15%. I averaged eight hours and four minutes a day on my phone. Now, I'm a real estate agent, so that is my primary tool. But how much of that time was spent playing games or, you know, texting or things that are just had nothing to do with work? I'd love to say I'm perfect at this, but I'm not. So we need to really be conscious of what we're putting into our lives. We need to... Go a little further. What are we allowing into our homes? What's on your TV? What's on your YouTube channel that you like to watch? 
What, what, are, the, what are the things? Are we allowing impurities in that, that, that are just devastating to our families? Can, you know, if, if you can tell me any TV show that's out there, and, and I could probably point out five things that are just dead set against Christianity and, and, and marriage. It's just the world we live in today, and yet we're bombarded with this nonstop. And we need to stop and think about what are we feeding ourselves, but not just what we're feeding ourselves. What are we allowing into our household? Men, as you're, you are the protector of your household. And it's not just a physical protection. Are you protecting your family from the garbage of this world? They may not be happy with you, but that's not the point. Is God happy with what your actions are? That's more the point. So we need to make sure that we're, we are focused on our family, truly loving our family. And with that love, that we are truly carrying out what God planned. Today in our culture, you know, women, women work. This is, this is just the reality of trying to survive in a, in a, a first world country. But you cannot give up your responsibility to be the provider of your family. It's not your wife's responsibility to provide for the family. It's yours. As a man, it's your responsibility. And you need to be focused on that to make sure that you're protecting your family, you're providing for your family. These are actions of love. You cannot set those aside. It's not like every day is perfect. Sometimes you lose your job, but you need to get up and go again and go find something else. It's not an option just to go, oh, I'm done. You know, my wife will just look after it from here. You can't. Your job isn't done until the day you die. That, that's the reality of life. Life is not easy, but that's what it is. So your love has to be sacrificial. It has to be pure. It has to be caring. But it has to be unbreak, unbreakable. Because we, we so often just get sucked into what the world's like, ah, yeah, divorce, it's okay, it's still an option. It's not an option. God created marriage for his purpose. And we need to be willing to live within God's purposes. So let's look at the next scripture. As scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So here it says it again. It said it in 1 Peter as well. God brought the two, husband and wife, together. And we need to be respectful of that. It is indivisible. You cannot divide it. If you were dividing it, you were going against God's will. Divorce is not an option. You must hang in. You must pour into it and sacrifice yourself. Whatever it takes, this is what love is. This is what Jesus did for us. This is what we must do for our family because this is the example that Jesus gave us. It's going to take everything, your mind, 
your heart, your spirit, and, and your sexual relationship. It's everything put together in one, indivisible. The moment you start to break it down and, and go outside of, of what God intended, and we had that laundry list from Genesis, it's not pretty. And it gets broken very quickly. But you need to get back up on your feet and go again. So we need to be mindful that God hates divorce. He has given some concessions, but it doesn't mean he likes it. He still hates divorce. And we need to be careful about that. So you've established a covenant with your wife. And this isn't a a contract. It's no prenuptial. This is not a contract that has a time ending on it. It has a life ending ending on it. I believe the words are still spoken at weddings, till death do us part. It's not a joke, and it's not just a frivolous statement. This is what God intends, and this is how we need to live our lives, truly, truly looking to God. Because I think if, if, if a husband lives his life in a manner where he is truly putting his family and his wife first, everything falls into place. That's how God intended it to be. You can't give up your responsibility and just say, oh, my wife's going to look after that. My wife's going to look after that. Your wife is more than a cook, more than a babysitter, and more than a house cleaner. She's your equal partner. The other scripture had the equal partner, but here it's saying you have to love. And again, we've gone through what love is. It's so important, and I can't stress it enough, that this is, this is a contractual covenant agreement that, that we need to step up and understand what our role is and then be willing to execute it at any cost. Because you need to protect your family and you need to live up to God's standards. So just to recap, Marriage is instituted by God. Men are the, are the spiritual leaders, but they are not the king of their castle. I heard that a lot growing up. Oh, I'm the head of the house in that. It's not, you're not the king. You're an equal partner, but you're the spiritual leader. So you need to set the tone of what's coming into your house. You need to love with a sacrificial love. And you need to understand that your job is to protect and provide and love beyond anything that you can understand from this world's perspective. And we've just gone through just an, a ridiculous thing that the, the media has made this entertainment. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, I'm sure you've heard of it. Just unbelievable garbage. And this is what the world thinks is entertainment and okay. Everybody's got an opinion on it, but this is not a matter of opinion. This is God's institution that he's established, regardless of what the world says marriage is, or regardless of what they think that they can morph it into, we need to stand on, on God's word, on what he says marriage is, and what the husband's role is. So we need to focus on that. You might say, hey, I've married the wrong person. Well, that's the right person now, isn't it? 
regardless of what your situation is. There's no asterisks on any of these scriptures. This is, this is what it is. This, is. this is what God has established. So at the beginning I said, if you're not married, male or female, pay attention because this is what you're going to get into. This is a lifetime covenant commitment that you need to be understanding what your role is because God's will and God's word does not change. It's the way it's been since the very beginning of time in Genesis, and it's still the same today, even though the world says it's not. Don't believe the lies. So if you commit your life to serving and submission, just see where your marriage is going to go. Wake up every day with a purpose of serving your spouse, your wife, and just see what's going to happen. Your kids are going to notice the difference, and your wife's going to notice the difference. You don't have to call this big family meeting. Don Davidson, one of the other elders, was saying, it's like, he said, you know, just, he, he, he was, when he was retired, life changed. And he said, you know, I needed to make sure that every day I was focused on just one little thing, one little thing. And he said, it's amazing how his wife picked up on it right away. And, and it's just, it might be just a little thing where you're serving every day and putting your family and your wife first. Guys, this is what God's defined as marriage. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for your unbelievable grace and love. We stumble, we fall so many times, and yet you are there to, with grace, pick us up and help us to get back on our feet. Lord, may we look to you as the author of what marriage is. And may we understand what you defined as marriage and, and a good relationship between a husband and a wife and what the role of a husband is. Lord, may each of us walk away from here willing to change and not just hear these words and just walk away and do nothing. Lord, I pray that you would impact us and that we would be willing to soften our hearts to understand we need to change to bend to you and to serve our families in a bigger and better way. In Jesus' name, amen. Go tell your neighbor, be a good husband.